thriving compared to about five hours ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hi. Hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you made it. <laughs> Listeners, which one do you think drank the least? <laughs> uh, I'll give yeah. you a hint. It wasn't me. <laughs> it also was not me. <laughs> Call me on the counter. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> I was telling uh, Sarah when the moonshine comes out, I think that's when, you know, my body just hates me the next day. So when Zach brought that out, I was like, that was out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm so. I'm pretty sure you had some sips. I don't know if you drank like a whole lot of it, but mm. it was out for the taking. <laughs> I yelled at Wes for making me drink water. I was. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. This is a public apology, actually. <laughs> Wes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Also, earlier in the night, I said, man, the last time we were here, Wes was getting a little out of hand, and I sat and I texted him, and I said, hey, babe, why don't you slow down a little? Can I get you some water? And he was like, I was like, only because I care about you. Like, I tried, and he was like, sure, thank you. Me, yeah. go away! Like, <laughs> I even said, I was like, I'm going to be, I would be the one that's like, doesn't listen. He was like, yep. And then three hours later, (laughs) there we were. I think the best part was just everyone all at once was tired. Like people, like Wes looked like he was falling asleep. Zach, we were like trying to not like let anyone know, but I was trying to like mouth to him. I'm like, Bed. And he literally goes like the, he puts his hands up <laughs> in like no the chest. sleeping motion, and I was like, "There you go, Perfect. we're good to go." Yeah. I was like, "If Zach is ready for bed, I think the the party's over." Yeah, yeah. So, uh, happy belated birthday to uh, Meg. Yeah, yeah our listener for, Megan. Yeah, thanks for throwing a good party last night, and mm-hmm. thanks for being a cool sister. Sister. Well, uh. Ladies, I'm not going to lie to you. I may not have a lot of banter today. Um, <laughs> That's okay. About 5%. Mm. So with that, welcome to Sinister Sunrise. I'm Morgan. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. Today... We all have separate topics for you. Hope you turned into our group episode last week. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. It was another really good one. It's kind of, I think, one of my favorite groups that we've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a fan. Top, top couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with that, to determine our order, ladies, to bring it back about twenty-four hours ago, maybe a little more. We are going to play golf. Yay! <laughs> I just learned. Yes. And I was like, yes, everyone Perfect. knows how to play, and I don't have to explain the, like, well, I'll, I can refresh you if, if we need the, the no, value. I think it, I, so. Yeah, I think I have it down now. Listeners, if you don't know the card game golf, then you're missing out, and we can go. make a TikTok actually explaining it. <gasps> that makes sense. Let's do that. Sarah, okay, we're going to teach you how to play on TikTok, so tune in there. Yep. And uh, you'll hear the results in about 10 seconds. <laughs> Sarah is number one. Oh, bringing it back. Oh, wow. I don't want to say all I do is win because, you know, I've been letting some people go first. But... Oh, oh wow. Oh. oh, okay. Well, okay. We, we played golf. Sarah, your score? Three. Mine was eight. Mine was 14. So, <laughs> I literally went into that and forgot 
right here that I can't roll my R's. Because I was thinking, like, hey. Three. Like, yes. One. Two. Three. owl. Yes. How many looks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? The world will never know. Yeah. Yeah. I was paid to crunch into that thing. It's not good for your teeth. Okay, y'all, so, like, three. Dude, there's no way. Even if you are an owl. Okay. Um, so it'll go Sarah, Morgan, Aaron. Yep. Uh, Sarah. I will start, but one thing on the biting, I bet you a hippo could do it because they can squash a watermelon with just like, Hur. it doesn't even look like they bit into it. <laughs> no. It looks like it just crumbles in their mouth because it's like the smallest jaw adjustment. It's like, boop. Literally, it came on my TikTok or something. It was like, or it was a hippo chasing a boat, and they're like, um, I don't know what you did to that hippo, but he is coming for you. And they have cat-sized small boats. <laughs> yep. They're no hippos are mean, which they is are like so, mean. so mm-hmm. crazy. So 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 crazy. Um, well, and then I learned that actually we have enough bite force to that we could bite our finger mm-hmm. in, like off. It's like a carrot. Yeah, like a carrot, but we just our, oh brain, my God. our brain knows not to. Isn't that nice? But it's good to know if you ever are in a bad situation and need to defend yourself, rely on your teeth. <laughs> you're in a bad situation and need your fingers gone. <laughs> no, that's like, I was thinking, what's that? Like, chicken fingers. No. What's that one movie? 327, 127 hours. Yes. When yes. he gets um, his arm stuck. Like, I, I hated yeah. like, when he was sawing and they would like vibrate the camera when he hit a nerve. Great watch. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was imagining too when you said that. Like, I good will. to know I can just gnaw out of any problem. Listen, we had to talk about that in our psychology class in high school, and just talking about it, I had to literally put my hand on my desk and plug my ears, and like I could not listen. I will not watch that movie. So I think I watched that movie in like high school too. Thank I you. watched it in high school, and the whole time was like, I am a sissy. <laughs> mm-hmm. The first thing he did, I was like, I would have already been dead. We peed. Whatever. All right. All right. Yep. 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 <laughs> Today I am talking about an experiment. Ooh, um, ooh. It's one that almost all psychology students would know, um, and you, you guys have probably heard of it. We are talking about the little Alfred experiment. Little Albert experiment. Excuse me. Oh. Okay. I think I know this one. I think. So. I need to stop watching Batman. <laughs> little <laughs> Albert. I don't know. Maybe when you tell. Yeah, I'll get you there. So before we get there, we have to talk about classical conditioning. Or the reason why this experiment was done at all. Mm -hmm. Because despite what people think, psychologists are not just mad scientists. (laughs) Well. Well, really. (laughs) Not not all. Not all the time. No, not all of us have doctorate degrees. Correct. Okay. So classical conditioning is learning through association. It's also called Pavlovian or respondent conditioning. Have you guys heard of Pavlov's dog experiment? Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'd say there's a lot of nods to it in TV, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Family Guy has one in particular. <laughs> I would know that one. Um, and anyone who doesn't know, Pavlov was a Russian physiologist in the 1890s. That was a year. Who trained his dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell. And I will go into details, but that's the gist of yeah. what we're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So to put classical conditioning really simply, it's when two things... They say two stimuli, but it's just two things that are linked together to produce a learned response in a person or an animal. Okay. So our main man, Pavlov, he knew his dogs didn't have to be trained to produce saliva when they saw food, but he wanted to know if they would salivate for other things associated with food. Mm -hmm. So with the group of dogs, he would ring a bell and then he would present them with food. This allowed for dogs to put together that when the bell rings, 
we get in that food. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there are three stages. They are the most obvious names. So here we go. One, before conditioning. <laughs> you know what? This is great for me. Continue. <laughs> I love it. It's exactly what you think. Um, it's when the unconditioned stimulus mm-hmm. produced an unconditioned response in your test subject. And that sounds super smart, but it's not really. It's the a- dog's drooling. Hey! Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm 5% function, guys. <laughs> I need a five. And I got that, so. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, you can also say, like, imagine you forgot to eat. Oh. Food for the dogs or humans. So imagine you forgot to eat lunch. You're really crabby. You're sitting in a restaurant waiting for your food. Waiting for your food. <laughs> for your food. And um, you see a waiter walk by with a perfect juicy steak. <laughs> Are you not salivating? I am like cleaning my face with a mask. Are you not salivating? That's instantly in my head when you said it. If I had any last words in a Roman Coliseum. <laughs> Are you salivating? Does thy not see the steak? Can that be the picture for the, <laughs> for the Instagram I do kind of want to crop our heads on something. All around like a, one of those, like the world's largest steak and just like staring. Oh. I'm fine with it. Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Notes. Are you? One word. <laughs> one word. <laughs> All right. Basically, it's what's naturally just going to happen, period. There, The third piece of this before conditioning is the neutral stimulus. So in this case, that would be the bell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what they naturally do, but if you don't include the bell in there, then that's not classical conditioning. It's just, wow, food's great. So yes, yes. You have to put the bell in, so you're like, oh, okay, like something's about to happen. Wow, that was a, that was a long time. Okay, stage two. Is it another easy one? Yeah, you guys don't take bets on what it is. Conditioning. That's what I was gonna say too. Drink. It's um actually during conditioning. Oh. <laughs> I bet conditioning works. <laughs> okay. No, we we messed up. Damn it. Come on, brain. <laughs> Let's get that up to six percent, shall we? Okay. Um, this is where you're going to try and make the magic happen. Our neutral stimuli is going from miss to missus. And at that point, she is going to become the conditioned stimulus. <laughs> she Ew. dropped the un. <laughs> she doth not wear white. Okay, for this to happen, your neutral stimulus has to happen. Wow, I used happen quite a bit. It has to happen right before the unconditioned stimulus. So to beat this example <laughs> to the bone, material. <laughs> Our neutral stimulus would be the bell. In order to make it cause a reaction, you have to ring it right before you serve the food. Easy. Easy okay. peasy. Ring dinner. Yep. Cool. Um, so this is when you basically make your subject think it's an indicator of what they want to happen. It's going to happen. Um, it's going to take a few tries to get this link, unless it's something terrible. So the example everyone gives is that if you ate something that gave you terrible food poisoning, you would only really need that to happen once for you not to ever want that food again mm-hmm. correct i personally went through a long phase of hating cheesecake hashtag steak and shake chicken fingers never again oh yeah Oof. mcdonald's is mine wait really That's yeah sad. i had we 
long time ago on vacation with like my grandparents and my cousins and two two times during the trip we got mcdonald's and both times i got sick from it yeah so i didn't eat there for a long time (laughs) i would have i'm glad you're okay now i know it was so bad (laughs) not all mcdonald's though oh yeah some are good yes yes some steak and shakes i don't know if i can argue Mm, yeah their burgers fine their chicken fingers don't do it don't do it and don't go if you're in a hurry correct all right oh yes sorry they do have that new one though isn't the one in arnold the one that now has no workers it's all like um like technology like you just go up to something and put it in i think it's in arnold or something i can't remember which one it is it's one there's one around here close by Pause they... episode, stop show, flip <laughs> table. We must find this. Yeah. I'm awake. The future is now. I know. Yeah. Jay was the one who told me about it. So I don't know if Jay has been there, but. Was he being real? Did he Yeah, no, it's, it literally was an article. I it's thought I had read Jay. about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd read about it. I just didn't realize it was already like opened. Like the future was here? Yeah. Oh my God. So wow. yeah. Now, all right. Well, we know our next lunch place. Yeah, I gotta find that. Yeah. Okay. We're on the last stage, though. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think it's called? After conditioning. Yes. Same. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Six percent. <laughs> Congratulations! Now your conditioned stimulus has been associated with the unconditioned response to create. Drum roll! A new conditioned response. Woo! Cue pomp and circumstance. I actually forgot how that is. Like, whatever. It's a song that plays at graduation. It's called Pomp and Circumstance. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Pomp. Yes. Absolutely. But are you ready to see how it can be dangerous? Oh, yes. Yeah, I can tell you about a time that was dangerous. I know what time. Oh, yeah. You know a girl? Yeah, I once, no, I know two men. And I know their names are Marshall and Barney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Barney classically conditioned Marshall to always want to go get hibachi every mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Barney sneezed, just so he could look at his wife's tatas. What a gem. <laughs> Dangerous. What a gem. Episode over. You called it. Done. <laughs> if you haven't seen that episode of High Met Your Mother, please go watch it. It's so good. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> They're good. So, cue Dr. John B. Watson and his assistant, because why not have an assistant? Rosalie Rayner. Mm. The year is 1919. Oh, and a woman? Okay. And since booze, well, she's, she's the assistant. She got a job. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Her name was on it. And since mm-hmm. booze isn't legal, I guess weird child experiments is all we had left. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yes. Literally, Watson's whole point to this experiment was that you could classically condition emotions as well as, like, I don't know, like bodily responses. Okay. Mm-hmm. Aha. <laughs> the easiest experiment. Oh, this is a joke. The easiest experiment would have been to take a girl out on a first date, make it wonderful, and then never call back. <laughs> but anyway, ouch. that actually wouldn't work because we don't need nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, instead, he chose to do an experiment on a nine month old baby. Oh, no. The child was nicknamed Albert B., but is commonly known as Little Albert. 
emphasize little Albert, not little Alfred, <laughs> like I had opened with. His, I thought I'd cleared all those up. His name was not released because he was a minor. Um, but to sum it up, Watson and Rayner exposed little Albert to a whole list of stimuli. Things like a white rat, um, a rabbit, a monkey, masks, and burning newspapers. <gasps> Which one is not like the other? Like, yeah, I the monkey the one with the open I'm flame. <laughs> yes. Do you want to guess which one um, scared little Al? The monkey, the fire. I was gonna, probably that. I would say the monkey too. That screaming monkey. Um, no, none of them scared him at first. He was like, "Oh, cool, something new." Yeah, all good. Wow, really? Yes, because yes. I would let their control, like, just put it all in front of them, and he was kind of like confused. Just yeah, was just he like... in arm's reach of them all? I don't know if they let him touch them or if he just saw them. Okay. Okay. Um, but next time Albert was shown the rat, Watson made a loud bang sound by hitting a metal pipe with a hammer right behind little Albert. And um, guess what? He began to cry. Oh, no. This experiment was repeated numerous times because remember, it's not going to happen on the first time, which even though it wasn't a good experience, um, for whatever reason, he still do it a bunch of times. Yeah. Eventually, as soon as Albert saw the rat, he would cry. And um, hold your stomachs on this. This is literally in Watson's notes. <clears throat> the instant the rat was shown, the baby began to cry. Almost instantly, he turned sharply to the left, fell over on his left side, raised himself on all fours, and began to crawl away so rapidly that he was caught with difficulty before reaching the edge of the table. So he's trying to flee the scene. Oh my gosh. And this doctor is like, isn't it great what I've found? Did they not stop at that point? Don't be ridiculous. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, my God. And I was not there when he was interviewed, but does it not sound like he's proud of this? Oh, I'm sure he yeah. was. Yeah. Like, I've discovered something new. <laughs> um, and if you're thinking, well, it's sad, but everyone could live with the fear of rats and be okay. No, 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 no. Albert started to show signs of stimulus generalization. And this sucks. Basically, he was so scared by this white furry rat that Albert began to have began to have the same response to mm -hmm. anything that was white and furry. Ooh. This included Rainer's fur coat and Watson when wearing a Santa beard. Mm. Can you imagine the <laughs> horrors at Christmas time this little kid went through? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. <clears throat> <laughs> Me and the baby are the same. <laughs> when were you born? In 1919. <laughs> it all comes together. It all triangles back. It all triangles back. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of issues with the experiment. And not to keep being too par... Adam, There's a lot of issues with the experiment, obviously. Um, I know I've been doing two-parters quite a bit, but next week I'm going to fill you in on where little Albert is now. Whoa. Um, and for now, just know this is not psychology's proudest moment. Uh, if you ever think how cool it is, just... Oh, okay. I see what I did. If you ever think about how cool it would be to just scar a child, maybe take a second. Be good to yourself. <laughs> And put on your zero sweat antiperspirant oh. because you are out of your mind. Get it? We're going to cool off. <laughs> um, and we like zero sweat antiperspirant. 
Because even when I'm hungover and feel like I have a fever, guess where I don't sweat? My pits. Hey. Uh, <laughs> it's a roll-on that you use at night. You just roll it on. That's the sound apparently it makes. Uh, popping sound. Yeah. And then you, uh, you pop the cap back on, go to bed. And when you wake up, you're dry as, what we say, the Sahara? That was when we were hot as the Sahara. You're not, you may be hot, but you're not sweaty. I can tell you're uh-huh. not as moist as St. Louis is in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Terrible word. Anyway. Yes, it is. Uh, if you head over to zerosweat.com and type in the code SINISTER at checkout, you can get 20% off of a $15 purchase or more. That took all of my brain cells, but there you go. We've reached 7%, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I had. Just letting you know um, <clears throat> something sinister was a brewing in the 1919s. Yeah, I was there. Wow. <laughs> All right, ladies. So for this one, it's not a monster. It's not a cursed object. It's not even a cryptid. We're taking it back to the exorcism of the movie titled Of Emily Rose. Okay. But we're going to talk about the real deal. Yes, yes, yes. The exorcism of Annalise Michael, Michelle. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm so sorry. So, <clears throat> uh, there is this popular movie that came out in 2005. I have not seen it, but I did get it. Did get a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I mean, honestly, 6.7 out of 10 for a horror movie is pretty good on IMDb. But yeah, uh, this is obviously a scary, scary movie. Um, but I am not bringing to you what the, what this movie is or was, but what it is based on. Again, an exorcism of a German woman named Annalise. And her last name is spelled M-I-C-H-E-L. Michelle, it's German. I don't know. Michelle, I don't know. That's That was not German. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was Arabic or something. I'm so sorry. Michael. Mike <laughs> I don't know. Annalise, there's a demon in me. I don't know. (laughs) That came from so deep inside. (laughs) All right. Oh, I guess I'll talk like this. I'm back. I'm back. Uh, And just to brace yourselves and give you a... I'm going to try to do justice for how weird this whole situation was, but I should rephrase this. Uh, the exorcism of Annalise should really be called the 67 exorcisms of Annalise. Whoa. <laughs> because yeah. it happened in 1967? You'd hope. No? All Don't right. <clears throat> Jeez. Yeah. So, young and devote to her Catholic faith until she turned 16, and that is when her life changed for Annalise. She had an episode at school where she was in a trance, um... Couldn't wake her up, seemed to not know where she was. It was really, really weird. weird. About a year later, um, she had another episode where she had a seizure-like convulsion. Um, she was diagnosed then with temporal lobe epilepsy. Mm. Sarah, I don't know. Maybe you know your temporal lobe. Sounds fancy and brainy. Say it's part of your brain. Yeah, I heard <laughs> it, but like I was like, Sarah probably knows where that is. Anyways, um, which can cause seizures, loss of memory, and hallucinations. Okay. Tuck that in the back. All right. Um, 
they also pointed out that it can cause religious i can't remember the word they use religious like regret or something and it basically like causes you to like oh religious regression okay has you like go back and like this this girl who is supposed to be like super catholic and super proud of her faith is suddenly like being like tormented by things that are like religious figures and icons and things like that okay cross with like she didn't want to see it. She wanted to yeah. do with it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> uh, she did, however, uh, start trying medications and uh, trying to attend school. This led to a diagnosis of depression. Uh, she did have to be treated at this time in a psychiatric hospital. So there wasn't a whole lot of details on like how everything went from this like before time, before it started getting like really bad. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, this woman is like very sick like mm-hmm. and again i'll get to the, i have dates in here somewhere but this is not modern medicine and getting to treat for depression back then it wasn't like helpful it was you're sick and go to a psych ward so did you yep. say what year this is um i think i'm saying i don't know let me get through my notes sorry i think it's 1965 Ooh, I think. golden yes yeah uh again so treated for depression in a psych ward, also taking medications for her temporal lobe epilepsy. By the time she was 20, according to Wikipedia, she, quote, became intolerant. Oh, it's right here. <laughs> intolerant of various religious objects and began to hear voices. Okay. So all this, this poor little girl, all this change is happening from 16 is when it started to 20. So that's a very oh, short time yeah, yeah. in my mind for a lot of drama, a lot of sickness. A lot of rapid change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're st- and she's still trying to attend school. Like, <laughs> okay. wow, yeah. So, uh, end quote. After years of taking medication and in and out of hospitals, she and her family were convinced a demon was possessing her. She would hear voices and see the face of the devil. All that is interesting states, quote, she heard demons telling her she was damned and would rot in hell. I mean, mm-hmm. I see why they would think she needs an exorcism. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. After many attempts, many, many attempts, (laughs) they found priest Ernest Alt, who would vouch for her because he truly did believe she was possessed. Okay. They were going and trying and asking all these priests because you have to have, you know, basically someone to say, like, get you into the upper people of the Catholic Church to be like, yo, this girl needs help. Yeah. Don't you have to have, like, the church is, like, almost blessing or something? Like, they have to agree to it? Yes. But no one would even do that first step for her. Whoa. Finally, an exorcism was granted and approved for Arnold um, Renz uh, and um, priest Ernest Alt to complete. Um, but it was noted then that, yes, it was pr- like it was granted and approved, but it had to be a complete secret. Mm. Okay. Not really sure. They just, it was still not. That seems a little shady. <laughs> yeah. And it was more like, yo, just do this, like, keep it quiet. Because I think the church, like, wanted to help. But they also don't want to be associated with that. Because also, what if it goes wrong? And I was just thinking, when's the last time you turned the news on and saw a local woman gets exorcism? Exactly. I'm thinking they might all yeah. be a little more quiet. Yeah, it was very jarring for the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I have another quote from um, All That's Interesting. Previous to the first exorcism, her behavior was getting worse. She would rip her clothes off, do 400 squats a day, bark like a dog, ate spiders and coal, 
bit the head off of a dead bird. Um, close your ears if you'd like to. Licked her own urine off the floor. And, you know, this is when I finally suppose that was enough proof to get an exorcism. <laughs> yeah. What's a lady got to do to get an exorcism? <laughs> you'd think that eating the coal would just be enough, you know? You know? Then they throw in a dead bird and it's like, okay. I see. Father, can we please? Uh, yes. Sure. Looks good enough. Ugh. Yeah. Um, again, according to all that is interesting, it was a very good article. Highly recommend to read. Um, quote, over the next 10 months, Alt and Renz conducted 67 exorcism, uh, exorcisms uh, lasting up to four hours apiece. Whoa. Multiple times a week. Cool. Yeah. End quote. And another quote. Quote, Annalise believed she was possessed by six demons. Lucifer, Crane, uh, Judas, Isricourt, sorry, uh, Adolf Hitler, Nero. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Sorry, I was not prepared. (laughs) No, no. I know, I wrote it on the Not the demon you want possessing. Well, uh, Nero and Fleischmann, who Fleischmann is noted as a disregarded, a disgraced priest. Excuse me. So, with different voices coming through her, Annalise having to be restrained, by this point it was no wonder that her body was slowly giving up. Yeah. Yeah. Like 400 squats a day were leaving her with like bruises all over her legs. Like she would genuflect. It was, she sadly passed away. On July 1st, 1976, at only 23 years old, her cause of death was noted as malnutrition and dehydration. And uh, ladies and gentlemen of our listeners, I will of course have these pictures up on our Instagram. However, I wanted to show you girls um, her before and after pictures. Oh no. Are you sure we need to see them? Uh... I think it puts things into perspective a little better than my words can. Okay. Before. Okay. Oh, she looks nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then still before. Similar pose. Yeah. Yeah. If I saw her, like, at the mall, I wouldn't think twice. Look at her eyes. Oh, my God. God. Have you ever seen someone with that dark of eyes? No. What is that? Sleep deprivation, <gasps> malnutrition, dehydration. That's what that is. Oh my god. Poor girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> that is, is horrible. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you were good. It is noted that, I uh, quote, only weighing 68 pounds with broken knees from praying and unable to move without assistance. So in those pictures, you can kind of see, like, it looks like someone's, like, choking her, which I was like, the hell? And then I looked at the pictures a little bit more. It's her mom, apparently, like, restraining her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other, you see very similar pictures. She looks the exact same. I'm I'm going to try to find better ones for the, to make, like, a little collage or whatever. But, I mean, you can see how skinny she is in, like, her kneecaps because they're just so. Yeah. You know, when someone's very underweight, you can see, like, their kneecaps are bigger than their, like, legs. Yeah, because they kind of protrude a little bit, too. Yeah. So it's that. And then she's, like she can't eat she's like not really walking like her mom is like lifting her side yeah to go down the stairs that's so sad yeah um this might be something interesting for you to look into erin okay oh i think i know what we're talking about the priests didn't serve jail time 
but were charged with manslaughter. Okay. Um, and then they got three months of probation for this. There was a huge uprising. I didn't go into the like crime aspect of it because you know. Yeah, because I thought maybe they did like go to a trial or something. Yes. So yeah, there, yeah. There was a full fledged trial, and it's very odd because the parents were the ones who like instigated the you know the the case. Um, and in court, the two priests are standing next to the parents, and I'm like, shouldn't they be far away? Like I wouldn't want to sit next to who I'm bringing to court. Also, how yeah, how would you even prosecute that? You asked them to come in and do a service. They did a service. Again, I didn't look into the details of it, but it was, they aided in the lack of her getting out of the house, her being oh. able to eat, them restraining her. They, they yeah. It was a lot of... 67 exorcisms that lasted almost four hours apiece each. Sounds a little crazy. Yes. Yeah. At some point, you would think you would just give up and, and it's try to too. figure something out. Yes. Yeah. And back then, like, if you were a parent and you were very religious, like, of course, the, the you know, the church was the highest mm-hmm. regarded anything. So I think they were like, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And then it was too late. Yeah. 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 So, listeners, uh, write into us if you'd like. Let me know if you think they should have been charged. Should they have served more time? Um, or any time? Yeah. So, yeah. Ladies, what do you think? Should they have been charged with anything? I guess I it just know. depends. I don't know how they did it. Like, was it really, like, according to a book? Or was it more like, this is just what I think should be done? Oh, like for an ex- exorcism? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was by their book. I mean, they had "quote unquote" rules, you know, for it. Um, mm-hmm. What you honestly, what you see in the Exorcism movie mm-hmm. is very much similar to the words and the pattern and the severity of those. I think. Okay. So I think this is why I'm having a hard time with it because in movies, all you see is them like with the cross and they're in the robes and saying, the power of Christ compels you. Yeah. And that's all they're doing. (laughs) There could be anything else going on. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember. I know we did an episode on it, but I don't remember all the details and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, you're like, it's, they're putting their life on the line potentially as well, depending on right. How the person is acting. So I don't know. I I think I'd have to hear more details of the actual case. <clears throat> but I do. Hey, I underlined it. Duly noted. I wrote it down. But I think that they are. They did play a part. So I don't charging may be a strong word, but I hope like there's you, know, you can't charge someone for having not for not having a good conscience. But oh, yeah. how cool would that be? It was like taking a temperature, but it was taking your conscience levels. I just like open up. Oh, <laughs> done. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah, that's the uh, exorcism of Miss Annalise. Uh, I hope that when you passed, you had peace. Yeah, that's insane. That's a lot of that's so pretty, so sad. Yeah, so much trauma. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, and she looked very sick. So it's very sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It came up on my feed. It was, I, I was. They are very jarring pictures. There's a reason I made it quick. <laughs> Don't blame me. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, what you got? What you got? All right. Are you ready for a murder story? <gasps> a murder. A murder. Yeah. From you. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> 
So is I, it a kid? No. <laughs> no. I just need to. Not a child. All right, great. We already had Alfred. Albert. <laughs> oh, no. That's going to keep on happening. And I, I mean me. Be scarred earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Murder. Murder. So this is the case of Annette Schnee and Barbara Joe Oberholzer. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm so sorry. It's a long one. I think I pronounced it correctly, I hope. Annette Schnee was 22 years old when she disappeared on January 6, 1982, after picking up her prescription at a Breckenridge, Colorado pharmacy. The young girl who had dreams of becoming a flight attendant seemingly vanished into thin air. She was last seen around 4.45 p.m. speaking with an unknown dark-haired woman. She was reported missing after she failed to show up for both her day job housekeeping at a Holiday Inn in Frisco and her cocktail waitressing shift at a local bar the following day. Officers learned that Annette decided to hitchhike the six miles back to her home in Blue River after picking up her prescription, but she never made it back. Mm -hmm. Eerily, another woman in Breckenridge disappeared on the same night Annette went missing. 29-year-old Barbara Jo Overholzer, who went by the nickname Bobby Joe, was a mother to an 11-year-old daughter and had been married to her husband, Jeff, for four and a half years. She was known to be a planner and had this big dream of opening and running a horse corral with Jeff that she hoped they would one day build on their property. It was super oh, cute. Sounds like such a dream life. I know! On the evening of January 6th, Barbara went out to a pub in Breckenridge with friends to celebrate her promotion. So she worked for like this company her husband ran, and instead of being a receptionist, she was um, now going to be the office manager. Barbara called Jeff around 6.30 that evening, just letting him know she was going out for drinks with some friends, but she wouldn't be staying out very late. And Jeff was like, all right, I'll have dinner waiting for you when you get back. Oh, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> According to Unsolved Mysteries, Jeff woke up around midnight to discover his wife had still not returned home. The bars in Breckenridge didn't close until 2 a.m., so he thought, you know, maybe she lost track of time while having fun with her friends. Mm -hmm. But when 2 o'clock came around and there was still no sign of Barbara, Jeff began to worry. He got in his car and drove into Breckenridge to search for her, but with no luck. When he got a hold of Barbara's friends, he learned that she had actually left the bar around 7.30 to hitchhike home. Oh, no. Yeah. So she has not been seen for a bit. Even though her friends offered to give her a ride, she turned them down. No! He attempted to file a police report, but authorities told him it was too early to tell if Barbara was actually missing or She's not. She's missing. Oh right! Biggest pet peeve with the police force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. it's better now, but... Jeez, man, if, oh my god, you have to put out a missing persons report 17 hours earlier than you wanted to? Oh, darn. Like, yeah. So what? Better safe than sorry, yeah. I would say. Bobby Joe, come on. Yeah. Damn. With nothing left to do, Jeff returned home and waited anxiously for his wife to turn up. Oh, that's gotta be the worst, just sitting and yeah. waiting. Yeah, you can't do anything else. And young the police daughter. aren't. It's like, where's yeah. mom? Mm-hmm. Ugh. The next morning, Barbara's driver's license was discovered on a farmer's property about 30 miles outside Breckenridge. 
Jeff was notified about the discovery and he, along with two of his buddies, drove to pick it up. As they were driving, Jeff noticed a blue shape among the white snow. He immediately thought of Barbara's backpack, which was the same shade of blue. Oh no. When they stopped to investigate, they realized that what Jeff had seen was a backpack and it was in fact Barbara's. A bloodstained glove was found near the backpack as well as some bloody tissues. Jeff and his friends conducted a search of the area and after about two hours, Jeff's fears were realized when the group stumbled across Barbara's cold and lifeless body on a snowbank off of Highway 9 near the summit of Hoosier Pass. He found her? Yes! <laughs> oh, God. Even worse. Thank you for allowing me this blanket. I'm yes. Just gonna myself in mm -hmm. Whoever killed her had taken her 15 miles from where her backpack had been dumped before shooting her twice in the chest. According to Maria Kramer's piece for the New York Times, Barbara's footprints were the only ones found at the scene, and she had a plastic cord tied around one of her wrists. Oh. Her house keys were also discovered, along with an orange sock that police determined did not belong to her. It was just, like, lying Interesting. at the scene. Yes. Hmm. Annette's body was discovered six months later, lying oh. face down in Sacramento Creek in Park County, roughly 13 and a half miles from the other crime scene. She had died from a gunshot wound to her back. Investigators were shocked, though, when they discovered Annette was wearing one orange sock. Realizing that the missing orange sock was the one they had discovered six months earlier near the scene where Barbara's body was found. Oh, weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was on her foot? No, it was just at... So... Annette was wearing the orange wearing sock. One. Okay, so, okay, okay. Yeah, the sock was hers. The and other the one was just at, okay, okay. at the scene. Okay. Yes, at the other scene. Investigators looked into whether Annette and Barbara, you know, were connected in any way. Did they know each other? Yeah. Um, both women were locals. They were known to hitchhike around the area and like to work, which was and apparently is still quite common to this day um, in the area. No. They, yeah. No, thank you. Ugh, too many bad things. Yeah. They disappeared on the same day and were both shot with a medium caliber revolver. The women, however, didn't appear to know each other at all. Okay. Police suspected Annette and Barbara were murdered on the same evening by the same killer. According to Unsolved Mysteries, investigators came up with their proposed timeline of events. They believe the killer picked up Annette first and drove her about 20 miles outside of town to sexually assault her. As she was getting dressed, um, she didn't have time to put, you know, both her socks on, everything on, instead taking the opportunity to flee the man's vehicle, but she was shot and killed before she could safely escape into the woods. When the killer drove back into Breckenridge, he discovered Barbara hitchhiking and decided to pick her up as his next victim. He attempted to rape her, but since, um, like I noted before, they said that um, at the crime scene, only one of her wrists had been tied. Mm -hmm. um, investigators assumed she just put up a fight. Yeah, Bobby mm -hmm. Joe. Mm -hmm. During the struggle, Barbara was able to get out of the vehicle, which is when they believe Annette's like orange sock made it to the scene. So maybe it had been in, a, in the oh. van. And once she ran out, it was now outside of the van. Yeah. yeah. Barbara attempted to run down the highway, but the killer caught up with her and shot her to death. Suspicion fell on Barbara's husband, Jeff. Yes. I knew. Okay. Of course. Mm -hmm. He did find her. Yes. Um, and also, his business card was discovered in Annette's wallet. 
So he was questioned about whether he knew Annette. Initially, he denied knowing her, but after seeing her picture in the paper, he told former Colorado Bureau of Investigation agent Jim Hardkey that he remembered giving her a ride once when she was hitchhiking. And during the ride, he like just gave her one of his business cards. Hmm. It's kind of like Ubers now. Like so you go, I would think yeah. it's weird if it hadn't just happened to us in Nashville. And yes. if it's also, if it's common there, maybe she's like, oh, I wonder if he's out. I could ask him for a ride. Or Yeah, apparently, that. yeah. The Unsolved Mysteries episode I watched, which I will link because you can find this one on YouTube. It made it seem like it was very common for anyone in town to like give others a ride. Like if they see someone walking, like, hey, do you need a ride into town or where are you going? Oh, I'm going that same direction. Just come with me. Like hmm, that sounds so friendly. It does. Like it and I think it's what it's wrong. Yeah. I think that's how it's always yeah. been, but there's always those people ruin that, it. That yeah, ruin it. <laughs> have horrible intentions. Correct. After that day though, Jeff never saw Annette again. He had been given a polygraph test two months after Barbara's murder, by the way, which he passed. He also told police that he couldn't have committed the murder since he had an alibi. On that January night, he had been at home hanging out with one of his friends. Police were unable to locate this friend and interview him, though, until apparently nine years later when he just appeared. I don't nine know if, like... Years later. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if, like, the friend wasn't from the area and he was just there that night and left and they couldn't find it. I don't really know. Or I thought maybe, that was... I wonder if maybe Jeff like checked enough boxes into him not being like a main suspect anymore. No, no I think they were like really looking at him. So oh. I'll, I'll sum this up in just a little bit. That's so the friend reappeared from wherever and he informed police that yes, he had been over at Jeff's house on the night of the murders, but apparently... The time he claimed he was over at Jeff's didn't match the time Jeff had given investigators. But also, it's been nine years. I was like say, that's not shocking, really. Yeah, I was like, it makes sense. He's yeah. probably like, yeah, I was over there. Oh, ballpark around this time. Probably wasn't right. <laughs> they also didn't have iPhones or anything. They're not staring at the clock all the time. Yeah. And I think they were, it seemed like, at least how they depicted it in the scene. They've been like, you know, drinking, hanging out, yeah. whatever. So... Either. It, that wasn't too shocking when I, like, watched that. Nine years is a long time for memory to forget a number. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. After a bit more digging, though, Jeff was taken off of the suspect's list entirely and was no longer being looked into for the murders of Barbara and Annette. In his interview with Unsolved Mysteries, Jeff stated, quote, As far as the finger being pointed at me, I'm still very, very angry about that. If different agencies had pursued different avenues and not concentrated so much on trying to find me guilty, we may have found out who had done this to these girls. End quote. I mean, I kind of got to agree with you, Jeff. I know. It stinks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not good. Investigators pursued other leads, but eventually the case grew cold. It changed hands multiple times with different branches and even private detectives attempting to solve the murders, but with no luck. I read in Jacqueline Pizer's Washington Post piece that the Schnee family hired Charlie McCormick in 1989 as a private investigator. He used to be a former Denver detective, and at the time, he only charged the family a dollar a year for his services. Whoa. Isn't that nice? That's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I could afford one. Well, and I think it just, like, all of the articles I read and the ones I'll link, um, it just mentioned how like all the investigators were really engrossed with the case and wanted to do everything in their power to solve it. Yeah. One 
uh, person in particular, Sergeant Kipple, was a senior at Summit High School when the murders occurred and has been investigating the case for over 30 years. Oh. Like every, like, gotcha. it really hit the town and yeah. the area hard. That's why I'm so surprised that hitchhiking is still such a big deal. If it was like, yeah, that's how it happened. The one little thing it noted, um, I can't remember in which article, it might have been the New York Times one, but, and that was like a recent one that I read, said it is maybe still common because of um, just how expensive it is to live there. And some people maybe just don't have cars or mm-hmm. okay. not using them as much. Okay. So carpooling, <laughs> yeah, hitchhiking is like, let's more use, common. Let's use Uber. I mean, I know it's it costs, but like, or could you at least have like your name and your, like, they should just do that. Have like their, like a blow up of their, of their driver's license, like taped at the window. So you can see who you're getting in the car with. Maybe. I also get, if it's like an odds game, like, well, only two people out of, like, the 5,000 that have been, I can, it's not an excuse, but I can see how it may not have died out. It's not mm-hmm. worth dying to get to your job. Hey. <laughs> Sing that back again. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. I'm making a button. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my. Sorry. <laughs> but anyways, I mentioned that just because no one wanted the case to stay cold. Yeah. Everyone was still working on it. Okay. In 1998, the blood collected from Barbara's glove was finally tested for DNA, which turned out to be a mix of Barbara's blood and blood that belonged to an unknown male. <laughs> when they searched the criminal database, though, they came up with zero hits concerning the man's identity. Of course, of course. <laughs> There has, however, been a very recent update. So three years ago, one of the investigators on the case passed away and his son, I guess, was left with like a bunch of articles regarding the murders, Mm -hmm. a bunch of, you know, stuff that his dad had had. He decided to give them to Mitch Morrissey, a former prosecutor who co-founded United Data Connect, a company that conducts genetic genealogy analysis. Forensic genealogists were able to make a DNA profile of, like, the potential suspect where they found 12,000 possible matches in what they described as, like, this family tree. Okay. Yeah. Investigators reached out to many of these individuals and asked if they would be willing to give them a DNA sample. So I'm honestly not sure how many people were asked, like, if all 12,000 were. Mm -hmm. It was just a pool of them. Or, you know, how many specifically were like, yeah. I'll give you a sample of it mm-hmm. on my DNA. But this ultimately helped investigators find the killer. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I almost cut you off earlier when you were like on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Like, Son of a bitch, Aaron. Oh my God. This is the best one you've told. I really mm-hmm. put who and then it's like on Unsolved Mysteries and I want to like, oh, dang Cross it. Cross it out. Yeah. Ooh, no. So. Juice. Okay. Mm-hmm. After weeks of police surveillance, 70-year-old Alan Lee Phillips was arrested on February 24th of this year during a traffic stop in Clear Creek County, about 35 miles west of Denver, where he resided and worked as a part-time mechanic. According to the New York Times, back on that January 6th, 1982 evening, a 30-year-old Alan was caught in a snowdrift after attempting to drive down a dangerous mountain path. Alone and freezing in 20 below zero temperatures, he used his lights to signal SOS in the hopes that someone would spot them. Lucky enough for him, someone did. Harold Gray, a local sheriff, was a passenger on a plane that evening. And as the plane like flew over the Colorado mountains, he looked out the window and happened to notice the distress signal. 
What? Yeah. I have so many goosebumps. Mm Mm-hmm. A rescue worker, Dave Montoya, was alerted and successfully tracked Alan down. When he approached the truck, he stated that Alan appeared a bit buzzed and had a bruise on his face, which Alan alleged he got from, like, hitting his head on the steering wheel or a different part of the truck. Mm -hmm. And the story of this rescue made, like, national news, national headlines. Because, like, what are the odds? Yeah. Yeah. Regarding the incident, Alan told news outlets, quote, you find out how lonely it is really quick. I thought about walking to a ski area nearby and went about 200 yards and thought, no way. It was too cold, end quote. When questioned about what he was doing on the mountain late at night, Alan told officers that he had been driving back from a bar. I did read another source that stated he claimed he was driving from a friend's house. But either way, we now know that what he had actually been doing was a lot more sinister. And he got saved. Yes! Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. Wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. This... I may be dropping down to like 4% here. I'm so no. sorry. <laughs> no. Okay. Alan's the bad guy. Alan's the bad guy, correct. Yes, the killer. The car thing where he drifted off the road. Yes. Was recent or was back then? Back when he was 30 years old. So that was on the same night Annette and Barbara disappeared. Yeah. He was oh. around. Yes. So he was technically oh, oh, trying oh. to drive away from the scene, but he was trying to, he was driving up a mountain when it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Still Snowy all very gold. weird. And my brain is... It is very weird. Okay, sorry, I yes. they were like found like 70-year-old Alan. No, 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 no. Oh, my no. God. That was when he was 30 years old. So. Asshole. Yep. He got saved. Uh, yeah. Okay, but this is all what's leading us to him being caught. I don't know. I'd still prefer a frigid, lonely death for this terrible man. Because that's what happened to the girls, too. Like, especially with this comment, like, it was too cold. And I'm like, well, that's where you left them. Like, sucks. The poetic justice of it, I think. Yes. I guess they could have put it, linked it together that it was him if he had died there. That's what I was thinking in my brain was like, maybe they wouldn't have linked it. But it's the same night. So I'm stupid. Yeah. No, I don't know. If they didn't put together when they saved him, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they were just. Took him for, like, at his word, I guess. I don't really know if they didn't. And he might not, by the time he was driving, I don't know exactly where he was at. I have to find maybe, like, a map. Mm -hmm. Maybe he wasn't, like, super close to either of the scenes. Again, like, not feasible to walk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So did he not kill for the next 40 years? Okay. Thank you. Here we go. So, thanks to the advancements in DNA technology, Jeff Oberholzer and Annette's mother, Eileen Franklin, who is now 88 years old, were both finally able to get some closure. It has, yes, yes. It has not been revealed whether Alan was one of the individuals from the family tree who willingly gave investigators a DNA sample. I thought that would be pretty poetic justice. Like maybe he's like 70 years old. He's like, ah, it won't come back to me. Like, or he hasn't like, because I'm sure they didn't say what it was for. I'm sure they were just like, can we use your DNA for this? Wouldn't I? I think that would just We're be hilarious. We're developing a large family tree, and we need yours to be added to see if you're part of it. Yes. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's like real cozy, like seventy. Nothing bad's gonna Type happen. Type in his yep. hand, like nothing bad can happen. Yes, again. Yeah. I would like to think that's how it happened yes. in my head, but I don't have the answers to that. Oh, I imagine a smug, mean old man. Like I've got a secret I'll never tell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ugh. 
Police have released no information regarding a possible motive either, but they did report that Allen is facing first-degree murder, kidnapping, and assault charges for both Annette and Barbara's killings. Park County Sheriff Tim McGraw told the Colorado Sun that Allen Phillips hadn't been arrested since the murders occurred. So basically, before... uh, So he hasn't been arrested since. He hasn't been in trouble with police. I don't know if that means, like... Before that happened, maybe he had been arrested for something when he was younger. Oh, I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. Like, he just hadn't been arrested at all. In their since defense, there was nothing the that would have, like, given them. Yes, like, he was cause. in. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess he was in no database, so maybe he hadn't been arrested before, right, right. is what I'm assuming. Um, however, authorities are investigating whether he has been involved in other local cases. Allen's preliminary hearing is scheduled for this September, but for the time being, if anyone does have any information regarding Allen, this case, or other cases you may have been involved in, investigators are asking you to call the case's tip line at 720-248-8378, where you can remain anonymous. And that is the story of the case of Annette Schnee and Barbara Jo Oberholzer. Thank you, Aaron. I know. Yes. There is an end to that one. Yes. September can't come soon enough. I know. Isn't that like, do you guys want to have a party and watch the trial? Hell yeah. Let's do it. Wow. Whoever the family member is that got the DNA. I don't know. Yeah. I will be putting my DNA into all databases now. Take it. Like, hi, I know I'm good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Future children of mine, be good. (laughs) <laughs> we'll get you <laughs> boy wow i'm glad that one had a happy ending. yeah i know i don't i think again i feel like i look up all this stuff you know on facebook and on my laptop so now like on facebook like new york times <laughs> oh, articles no. like this was one of them that popped up and i was like oh this sounds interesting and i was yes. like oh no i want to cover this yeah how yeah. crazy i mean it took 40 or however many years but that's the thing yeah, now, 40 now years. it's the time all these old cases are getting solved. Yes. You're not safe. <laughs> no, no one's, one's safe. safe. No. Our ancestors aren't safe. Our future pe- babies aren't safe. Everybody just better be good from the here on out. I'll say, or they're more safe. Oh, right. Well, we've good, good people are more safe. Bad people are extra not, not safe. safe. Yes. It's a spectrum. Safety is a spectrum. <laughs> 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 Woo! Yeah. All right, well, uh, we're going to keep playing it safe here yep. on uh, Sinister mm-hmm. Sunrise, and I think this wraps up episode 71. Yes. Um, like I mentioned earlier, if you have any, and so did Aaron, if you have any topics or ideas or corrections that we may have missed, um, we would love to hear them. Um, you can send them to Sinister Sunrise Podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also check us out on Facebook, same name, and it'd be really, really cool if you could leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Um, helps us stay relevant. And then, as we stated, if you want to check out our TikTok coming up, um, we will, one, have a new video of how to play golf, the card game, because it's great and I love it. And other than that, we have awesome videos there. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you.